When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello! And welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. We are. It's Sunday night. It feels like it's been a little while since we've done one of these Sunday night records straight after a final. Quite enjoy them. Getting a bit of buzz after the final. Um, watching Judd Trump pull off some more history. It's been amazing, hasn't it? It really has, Phil. It, hat-trick hero, he was called on the television tonight. And that's exactly... What he is. I mean, he's writing the headlines again. I mean, I talk about, you know, putting the tape from last week on. I joked last time we could put the tape from the last two weeks on. We could just keep replaying it, Phil. It's the same champion. And he's just on the most marvellous role. You know, I think I said on social media, it's just a wonderful purple patch. And it's actually a privilege to watch it, in my view. It is kind of inspiring to see it. You know, he's, he felt like he's running on, not quite empty at times this week, but... Uh, Certainly not on full cylinders, but he's just so determined. We've really seen that determined side of Judd coming out. And yes, he is the Northern Ireland Open champion again. So many stats tonight. We could just do the whole thing on, on that, frankly. It's, yeah. a full, it's a fourth Northern Ireland for him. That's big in its own right. Four of these. haven't been that many. And I think I saw a message that it's a, he's won a fifth of all the home nations. I mean, that's, that's amazing enough. But what we're really focusing on, of course, is a third ranking event in a row, uh, joining Ray Reardon, Steve Davis, Stephen Hendry and Ding Chun Wee as players that have done that. And also quite staggering in, in so many ways, 20 ranking event matches in a row won. The 20th of those, Phil, coming with today's win. This is Sunday night, so we're recording just after the final. He's beaten Chris Wakelin and pretty comfortably too, 9-3 in the final in Belfast. I mean, thesaurus, Phil, we we need a whole, you know a whole load of them. For, it's just what he what he's doing in snooker is quite amazing. It's just one of the the best months with the best month he's ever had. And just clearly in terms of just win after win, and he, you almost can't believe what he's doing. It's just wonderful stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. It, it's weird because obviously we saw him do this kind of thing in 2019, 2020 when he was winning all those tournaments. So in a way, 
you know, it's not so startling having seen him do similar before. But it has, in a way, come out of nowhere after two pretty quiet seasons. And yeah, watching it tonight, I was thinking back to the World Championship. It's only six months ago when he lost in the first round to Anthony McGill. And when he got that draw, which is, you know, that's the draw that no one wanted at the Crucible as, as the seed. Um, but he, uh, he was sort of fancied to lose and then did lose. And he was he was speaking quite sort of bleakly afterwards, saying, "Yeah, I'd, I'd missed loads of part, loads of easy balls. I wouldn't have beaten anyone any good playing like that. So I deserved to lose." He was really downbeat, um, and it was hard to know what kind of season we we're going to expect from him. Really, then um, he got to that final at the European Masters, so he thought, "Oh, that's quite mm-hmm. encouraging." But then after that, it was a bit down. It, it sort of the quarterfinal in Shanghai against Selby, which looked like that was going to be great, and he really sort of quite tamely lost that. Then he went out early at the British to Ahmad Mir. So then it was again, like, oh, what's going to happen? And then it's been since then, this. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been amazing, really. Um, and it's amazing how things can turn around so quickly. These guys, um, you know, we, we were never writing off Judd Trump, but uh, you should be very careful at anyone who was considering doing that because the talent's there and it only it can spring out again out of seemingly nowhere. I love your use of this. Yeah, that, that's all you need. Before, you know, all that, and now it's this. This referring to a quite amazing run of form. We've seen three ranking event wins in a row. The latest coming then in Belfast. Now, good news, Phil. I'm not going to do that table of 10 players again because I do it every time. But I've got five. And the reason I'm doing that is he's gone fifth. He's gone fifth ever. Ronnie O'Sullivan, 39. Stephen Hendry, 36. John Higgins, 31. Steve Davis, 28. Now Judd Trump. 26. Phil, do you remember when we were much younger men and we were talking about Judd being a couple behind uh, Mark Williams? And can you believe the Welshman is now two ahead of him? No, it's only about four <laughs> weeks, only about four weeks ago, wasn't it? Basically, probably in fact, probably three weeks ago, in fact, because we, we kind of missed a week in between the two. But I think it's, you know, it's not, it's, let's put it this way. We're in October. It was in October that we were saying that pretty yeah. much. And it is just what he's done is, is something else. And, yeah, breathing down Steve Davis's neck now, Phil. He, you know, he'd obviously go past Steve at some stage. Uh, John Higgins in his sights as well. So he's putting the numbers on the board in, in, in you know, quite in quite some way. I mean, let's talk about the final then. I mean, it, well, he was two one down, and my attention was a little bit diverted by by the big afternoon of football. But I certainly had you know one eye kept on the snooker, and it just sort of motored from there, didn't he? Got. Got the frame to go 2-2, which Wakeling could have won, actually. That that was important. That, that could have been 3-1 Wakeling. It went 2-2. Uh, and then edging a, a seventh frame was really important for, for Judd, actually, uh, with a 63 and taking a 6-2 lead. I think, frankly, Wakeling had to be 4-4 or worse, 5-3. At 6-2, some finals don't seem over. But when they're first to nine and the player starting is obviously such a big favourite already, you kind of thought that would be the way. And tonight, well, we're speaking just after the conclusion. We only saw an hour of play and Job was just sparkling. He, he, he had breaks of 101, 125 and 129. Wakeling, very sporting guys, we know anyway, applauding in, in his chair, Phil. I mean, for him, for him, it's a great achievement, which we should talk about as well, of course, and I'm sure we will do shortly. So for Wakeling, he's, he was using words like magic. For him to get to a big final like this, really building on that shootout success is big. But everyone, you know, Wakeling, his, his, his opponent today, all of us watching, we're just kind of, Lost in admiration for what Trump's doing, and he's saying tonight to 
to Rachel Casey on, on Eurosport. He, he literally doesn't know what to say through so many of these speeches, Phil. And he's not being arrogant with it. He's just saying, what do I keep saying? I keep winning them. You know, he, but he, he, he talks about it being a dream. And that's kind of what it must feel like. It just total crest of a wave stuff. And yeah, he just he just made more history. But say specifically in this venue, sometimes you hear players, they, they play a little bit lip service, weren't they? Oh, I love this place. I love this arena. Sometimes you think it's a bit of an autopilot comment. But with Judd in this place, you know he means it. Because mm. look, it is obviously a great place for the great atmosphere. But of course he loves it. Those three wins in a row, now a fourth, he just comes alive in that place, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I've not been, but it gets rave reviews, and all the players. Chris Wakeley was saying that in his runner-up speech as well, um, and it, it looks great. People talk about sort of when they show the crowd, you see the tears, and um, it's just a very cool setup, and uh, the crowd are very supportive there, uh, vocal in the right way, um, and yeah, the players love playing there, and clearly Judd loves playing there. He's played, I think he's only played in that tournament seven times. He's won four of them, so it's uh, remarkable stuff. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think I mean really, he didn't he didn't play that well in that first session, did he? And actually, Chris could have been falling up because, um, mm. like you said, he he could have won that fourth frame, and he could have won the first as well. He had a chance there, mm. um, and you know that obviously would have been a completely different um, setup there going forward. But um, it was level um, at two two, and probably Chris was playing the better stuff there. But yeah, it all it all changed from there on in, and. Uh, yeah, not to be critical of Wakely, really. Trump just played really, really well. Um, you, you, like you said, that seventh frame to go 5 2, because Wakely made a half century and then Judd made 60 odd to, to take it. And then from there on in, got the breaks here 96, 101, 125, 52, 129 to win it. <laughs> it's uh, no one's going to do much about that, are they? Um, so yeah, it was uh, brilliant stuff. And he didn't, he has won games in this run, he's won. Comfortably, he's won quite a few from behind or mm. looking sticky. So he's not really shown signs of any sort of fatigue or uh, anything like that because he's won in all different kind of ways. There's not been certain situations that put too much pressure on him. Um, I think it is fair to say, and people have mentioned sort of he's had a, not the hardest run through these three tournaments. So I think that is fair. Um, I mean, he still plays some great players. I think he's played Hawkins twice over these three tournaments, beat Higgins in the semi final. Um, played Maguire this tournament. I can't remember who else he played over the over the other two, but you know <laughs> they're all tricky players on the tour. Um, but he hasn't had too many real, real big hitters. But that's not to take anything away from him to win three tournaments on the spin, uh, twenty straight matches uh, over short formats. You know these best of sevens are supposed to be banana skins, aren't they? But like like when he was at his real peak, twenty nineteen twenty, he didn't have a problem with them then. He, he didn't seem to have a problem with them now. No, you summed that up so well. And you're right what you said. You, you couldn't sort of pigeonhole Trump. Oh, he's winning them all easily. I mean, this is hardly a surprise when he win 20 matches. Of course, you're going to have a mixture. But, you know, he, he's winning some handsomely and just hardly giving the other guy a shot. He's winning some from quite, quite a lot, as we'll come through this week, actually, from behind, where he's looking sort of really, really up against it. So he's showing his tenacious side. It's testing all parts of his, of, of his, you know, snooker brain, snooker quality. And that's another, you know, reason why it's just been great to watch, actually. Yeah, I've had a couple tonight. I must admit, right to me on social media. Oh, you know, he, he's not had hard runs here. You know, he won't win the Triple Crown events. He won't. Well, listen, I, I've been one of those that, that has said over the years, I think Judge should put the very, very biggest ones on the board more often. But even I have to pull rank on, you know, at times. And he, 
he he did win the triple crown just gone. He won the Masters, you know, and he, so you know he's just winning tournament after tournament. Yeah, sometimes you just got to take your hat off. I mean, we know there are different levels of events in the game. Of course, some are bigger than others, but these are good events he's winning. And this Northern Ireland Open, as we said, is you know I think is just a top tournament taking a. Well, st- st- stolen a march on the English and Welsh, from, uh, not the English and Welsh, or English and Scottish for me. Welsh is probably top still because of its history. But I, I love this tournament. I think it's cracking and a lot of the players love it. So there's a real prestige about it, this Northern Ireland Open. So to win it four four times is, is just, you know, absolutely excellent. And yeah, you just felt Wakelin really did make... He had to do more damage in the afternoon, really. To be 2-6 down wasn't really a total reflection, was it? that 6-2 really, as you suggest. He he had moments, but I guess that's just the experience of being on the big stage. I think if Wakelin was with us now, he'd say that. Had he had this been his seventh or eighth final, you've got a feeling it would have ended up a bit differently this afternoon. That's just the, the way it goes. But didn't he do well, to use an old phrase uh, from, from television, <laughs> from television, Phil? Um, you know, to, yeah, I, 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 I'm not suggesting that we thought it would come this soon in October, frankly, to reach such a big final. Well, I think we both definitely strongly hinted, certainly when he joined us, you know, on here in, in recent times, that we did think that he would build on that shootout success. He's got all the makings of someone that's had an OK career so far by, by you know, any stretch. Had decent runs, beat good players throughout his career, but never really taken that next step. But he looks like he has the ingredients of a guy that can. Very good snooker player, first and foremost, but also that confidence now. And this will be, you know, you know, big thing for him. And he's a very likable guy, isn't he, Wakelin, actually? Mm. Just, just tonight on television, I'll talk about the sporting thing with the clapping, but... You know, really giving credit, saying it was a dream to play Judd. Nice line about Judd paying off his mortgage just on wins over him. Um, <laughs> bit of self-deprecation there. Struggles to, to get a better than Trump, of course. But saying just what a special, you know, not a day and night it was for him. And, and you really got that feeling he'll build on this. So a nice sort of story all round. And Trump was very gracious to Wakelin, saying that he thinks, you know, he's really got his improvements have been massive over the last year. So so really enjoyable all round. You know, not the close finals we've had in Belfast over the years, but, you know, you can't be greedy. You can't get them all the time, can you? And, you know, much as we love every final to be nip and tuck till 10, 11 o'clock, sometimes they're open over at 8 o'clock, Phil, and we're recording the podcast early. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, an early uh, not close final is all right if the, if the one guy's played so well. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, one crumble or anything. It was just a masterclass from Judd, so... Yeah, you can't have any arguments to that. But yeah, on, on Chris, um, yeah, I agree that he speaks really well. Um, he speak, spoke really well at the end of the match there. And in all his interviews, I heard from him this week. And he did when he was on here. If, if anyone missed that episode, definitely go back and have a listen. Mm. He, uh, I really enjoyed having him on here. And I think he said it on here as well. I definitely, He definitely said it when I spoke to him for Metro. Um, that he was, his aim, or one of his aims this season was trying to get into the Masters this season. So by mm. top 16 by January, or actually not even January, it's by the UK Championship, isn't it? When Because that's when they do the draw. Yeah. yeah. Um, which seemed, you know, I loved I loved the, the big goal, but it seemed very ambitious. But this has taken him up to 21. Um, mm. I guess it seemed very ambitious because he had to do quite a lot of stuff that he'd never done before. But straight away, he's ticked off a box that he'd never done before. Mm. Been to... Um, a final beyond outside of the shootout. Um, so, yeah, he's showing that he's capable of doing these things that he's aiming at. Um, 
and at least still he'll have to get quite a few wins to get into that matters but it's not out of the question at all and he's certainly a player on the rise definitely trending in the right direction as Sean Murphy might say um <laughs> and uh, I mean mentioned Murphy that was a uh, that was when he showed he was really meaning business this week I think um he actually beat Martin O'Donnell in the previous round he's been played quite well recently so that was sort of a uh, uh, suggestion that he might be up to something and whenever Murphy be that comfortable whenever the Tauski in the semis um so yeah just a top top week for him um and it looked like he was he uh was not too downbeat um obviously he preferred to win the final that goes without saying but he looked in a good enough mood um his, his best ever run in a in a longer format tournament decent bit of cash rise up the rankings it's not too bad is it not too bad at all, not too shabby. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, had you said a year ago, you, you think Chris Wakelin might play in the Masters, it would be, a, you know, half a crazy thing to say. You, know, yeah. you never would have thought that in a million years. So he, even getting so close, if he doesn't make it, shows the, the absolutely superb progress he's made. And, again, we have to say, a, a few people actually asked me, to, we'll come to that semi, Lewisowski, Wakelin, do, do I think, or, you know, did people in snooker think that Wakelin almost would have as much confidence as Lasowski, even though Lasowski's had a much stronger career, frankly. Wakelin has, has got a trophy and a ranking event. And I, and I don't know about that. I, I think it's quite nuanced, the answer to that. But it does show, doesn't it, again, I know we're fans of the shootout, um, and, it, you know, it, it, and I don't, I, I'm not comfortable with the ranking event status, but, you know, it, it just shows it has that you know, that word gravitas, whatever event it is, to be a ranking event winner gives you something going forward, doesn't it? And, you know, it obviously, you know, he, he keeps mentioning as well as he would, you know, how big that was for him and, you know, took that step up. And we've seen a few, if you went through the shootout winners, I think you can you can half often tell, actually, even on the night, you know, I think you know, we've all been around enough to use our snooker judgment. Sometimes it is a bit of a last hurrah for some of them. Ah, this might be the biggest one actually he ever does. But with Wakelin, you just had a feeling now that's the start of something a little bit like when Hussein won the shootout, a eh? similar, mm. I think. And, uh, but yeah, I feel like I've done quite a lot of waffling there. Not said an awful lot, Phil, but <laughs> what, what, what's new? <laughs> no, no, I think, I think you're totally right. And even obviously the whole ranking status of the shootout is, constantly debated and it gives it more gravitas but even when it wasn't because i think that's what happened with hawkins when he won it in 2012 mm. um and that wasn't ranking then and that was really sort of the boost to him because then he went and won in australia i think they were both doing something australia was after the shootout but yeah ranking or not it's just the it's the getting to the end of the week and being the person walking away with a trophy yeah and yeah we've definitely seen it um you know not with everyone it's not guaranteed by any means but um, you've got to take the positives from it and the huge boost of confidence. Um, you know, these guys played so many tournaments and if it's the first time you've ever left away, uh, walked away as the winner, then it must be an incredible feeling. And Chris has been very open about that. And it, it's almost a bit of a shame with the shooter because anyone who has success in it almost feels like they have to say, oh, I know it's the shootout, but, you know, it's still, it's still a tournament. They've had to pop the balls to win it under a lot of pressure. And some players say, you know, they're never as nervous in any tournament as the shootout you know it's a unique atmosphere so it takes some winning um and yeah it's and it's all there's so many players that are similar-ish in terms of ability um it's only a little thing a little boost of confidence here and there that can make a huge amount of difference and, and chris wakelin showing that now 
So, yeah, he's not someone you want to draw. Um, anyone would want to draw now. I think the top guys aren't going to be happy to see Chris Wakelin uh, mm. opposite them in, in any draw. And he's he's qualified for the International Championship. He won 6-0 in his qualifier for that. More could form. So um, he'll be going there, hoping for another deep run. He certainly will. Now let's go back and talk about some of the earlier stories in the week then. And I think, as it's become traditional, probably take you through the results of the last 16 stage. But some of the earlier stories then, um, and having a look at day one here, a couple of highlights for me, Sam Craigie being Kyron Wilson 4-3 and a really exciting match. Jimmy White coming so close to toppling Anthony McGill, mm-hmm. the, the Phil, McGill winning it 4-3. And then, well, obviously a really big line from day two, which is Andres Petrov beating Mark Allen 4-3, ending Allen's hopes for third uh, Belfast success in a row. Petrov saying, it's the best win of my career by far. I was really lucky in the end. It went to the final black, didn't it, Phil? He says, when I was over the last black, I was thinking, this is for my daughter and I will pot it. And that, Phil, in classic snooker fashion, it was 1.44 in the morning in the UK, but it was 3.44 a.m. if you were in Estonia. In downtown <laughs> in downtown Tallinn, Phil, the clocks were reading 3.44 in the morning. What a sport. And a great win, one of the classic, exciting late-night finishes. And uh, I think he was saying his daughter was up in the night, couldn't sleep. So it must have been one of those sort of sixth sense, even from a, a, to- a toddler, knowing that dad was doing something quite big. Anyway, Aaron Hill beat uh, Fan Sengzi 4-1, another result I picked from that day, a break of 80 in the first frame, then 73 in the last from Hill. And he's really showing good form in recent weeks. So continuing that, that trend from him. So yeah, some games for you to have a word on there. And of course, please do pick your own highlights there, Phil, as we as we sort of take a, a you know, a, a kind of look, look at the highlights generally the early stages. I mean, Andrus Petrov beating Mark Allen, I mean, that's a, that's just a cracking win. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Andres is uh, yeah, a bit of a character on social reaction on social media. It's great having players from countries that we don't see on the tour very often and he's shown his ability in little flashes. You know, it's obviously very hard and he seems to draw Mark Williams every other match. So it's very difficult for these guys to to get wins, but he had that run through UK Championship qualifying. He didn't get to the Barbican bit. I remember him beating Gary Wilson and maybe two other players, but um, he, he, he can do it. And that was a fantastic win against Alan, who, um, you know, he's not getting the results that he did last season. He, had, he got to the quarters in Wuhan, so that was a bit of a showed something. He beat Lasowski there, didn't he? And C. So it's not a million miles away, but it, but it isn't there. Um, I know he's, he was saying when I saw him in Brentwood that he was sort of struggling for ideas because um, his former coach died over the summer and he's not working with Terry Griffiths anymore. Um, and I think he's linked up with Steve Feeney, actually, from Sightright. So um, he's trying something new um, to regain some form. Um, and he needs to, yeah, because uh, it's, it's nothing like um, he was last season results-wise. But, you know, obviously a very, very good player. He'll, I'm sure he'll spring back into direction sometime soon. But similar for Kyron Wilson, I'd say his early season results quite troubling, really. Not had too many wins. He started all right in the Championship League um, and then it was quarterfinals at the European Masters. But after that, very, very quiet. Um, so, yeah, he'll want, to, he'll want to get some wins on the board soon. But, yeah, outside of the ones you mentioned, there were some, um, some of the interesting ones. What was the Sean Murphy-Marco Fu? That was that day. Was it 4-3 to Murphy? Um, that was a cracking match, actually. Really enjoyable. Um, long final frame, got very tense. Looked like Fu was going to win. Um, he was quite far ahead. Um, 
near the ends, but Murphy felt fought back well. And Neil Robertson, another another very early exit for for Neil, four one to Jordan Brown. Jordan played well in that game in front of his own crowd. But um, yeah, if I'm talking about people who are worried about their early season form, um, add Neil Robertson to that list because. Um, we spoke about this last time about he's desperate to get back to Australia. Um, not sure when he's planning to do that, but he needs some sort of reset. I don't know if that's, um, you know, if he's convinced that's the reason why, then fine. And that he, but he needs, he needs to turn it off and turn it on again. You know, if it was a computer, um, he needs something to, he needs something to spring his mind back into, into gear. Cause it's, it's just not, it's not going well for him at the minute. Um, and yeah, we, I feel like we said it a load of times, but this 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 run going back to 2006 of running, winning a tournament every year looks very unlikely to be extended to 2023, which is a great shame. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's a million miles off at the minute. No, he really is. I, 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 I yeah, we talked about it last time. I think mm. I, I liked your um, summation. Actually, listen to it again. I look, looking through my diary now. I thought, yeah, he probably will just miss the Scottish in terms of a of a long form of tournament and then the shootout, which I think, as you say, he doesn't normally play in anyway. Mm. But looking at the dates, UK finishes December 3rd, if he gets to the final. Um, he may, of course, be able to go earlier. And then there's sort of five, six weeks until the Masters, actually. So it could work out he doesn't miss that much. But anyway, um, even to miss anything and go away is, is a line, is a, is a big line. But he's, yeah, we'll see. You, my my instincts say he might well come back a different man and have a very strong second half of the season. Seasons are long, aren't they? It's like Mark Hallen last season had a brilliant season. Of course he did, and was rightly the the player of the season. He got my vote, and I'm pretty sure I remember he got yours as well. Mm-hmm. And but there were periods he, he didn't do so much. Maybe to, well, I think towards the end he won quite a big tournament actually. But he ran out of steam a bit, and I, I think you can you can have a, a sort of stuttering season where you don't do much and then finish it brilliantly. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's always hard to assess, I think, until the end of the campaign. Yeah. But but Neil certainly, you know, hasn't, you know, by, by his, you know, by his standards, it's, it's just, yeah, not miles off the pace. I actually well, thought that, what you said there, I thought that with Trump, because I saw a couple of people tweeting, oh, he's got to be the favourite for the world now. And I thought, well, well, maybe, I mean, if you literally mean now, like what the odds say now, then mm. sure. But there's an awful lot of balls oh, yeah. before Sheffield. Yeah. Um, you know, he could not win another tour, but Mark Selby win two or three in the second half of the season, he'd be favourite. So, it's, yeah. it, it, like you say, there's an awful lot of stupid to play. Yeah, I mean, the way my mind works, are, this makes me less inclined to think Trump will win it because he's playing so well now, you know. But, yeah, it's a funny old business. And as we know, that tournament is is a different uh, ball game to anything else in the sport anyway. Yeah, you, you, good, good way of saying it. Now, day three then, Joe Perry. Now, he's a guy that's been out of form, but he's mm. coming back, isn't it? Beat Michael White 4-3 with a break of 1-4-5. Now, you know, it's a funny thing to suddenly remember, but when, when Joe was on here and he won that big tournament, didn't he? But before that, he was also out of form. And I think the referee said to him, oh, you're bloody good. He said, well, I can play this game. <laughs> and, and I think it's a bit like that now, you know. It's a, we shouldn't be that surprised. He's a smashing player, Joe, but it's good to see him back, back playing well. And also a hell of a game between Anthony McGill and Robbie McGuigan. I didn't really follow this. I remember reading bits about it and thought, oh, it sounded quite unlikely. But, but just before recording, checked on the results. And McGill was, the score, sorry. McGill was 3-1 down, 62-23 down with 27 on the table, so the colours left. He got the three snookers he needed and then potted the remaining balls to get 
a tie, won the respotted black, and then went on to win a, in the match 4-3. I mean, bloody hell, that's quite something. And then on day four, well, Stan Moody, uh, the best win so far of his uh, career, beating Gary Wilson 4-2, uh, top uh, victory for the 17-year-old. And it, I'm interested to say, you know, in what, what he had to say after, because it, it doesn't really matter how long your career is, you can still compartmentalise it, which I kind of like. He says, a few months ago, I would have lost this match 4-3 because my head would have gone after missing the chance I had at 3-1. But today I stayed calm. I really like that. Already, he can he can see already in his burgeoning, very, very short so far pro career, things can change. And I, I really do, I, I like that aspect and intelligence he, he's got in himself to sort of see that. Also, Battle of the Williams, Robbie Williams with a fine win, beating Mark Williams 4-2. So that's, yeah, a couple more days of results there, Phil. As I said, of course, pick, do pick your own highlights. But, yeah, Joe Perry playing well again. What a win for Stan Moody. He's um, beating Gary Wilson. That's a cracker for him. Yeah, I think we said when, um, you know, obviously this tournament with the backdrop of the Macau Five um, and Ronnie pulling out, of course, you know, whenever big names aren't there, it's a chance for new people to make their mark. And it was great to see Stan, who's obviously had an awful lot of talk, um, more more hype than um, most young players get when they come to uh, come onto the tour, you know, with a CBBC documentary and things like that. So a lot of pressure. Um, and he's... Obviously, it was going to be tough at first, but he's starting to show um, how good he is. And yeah, I watched that game with Gary Wilson. He was very impressive. Um, Gary obviously wasn't at his best, but still, no, it was good stuff from Stan. Um, and yeah, very exciting to see him keep progressing. And actually, Xing Zhihao is another one I'll notice there. He's only 18 and he, he made it to round four. He beat Graham Dot and Petrov. So there's another youngster mm. doing well. And he'd already had a couple of wins earlier in the season against. Quite good people. I can't remember who now. Um, um, he's he's had a good start to life on tour. So um, for the first time in a while, we seem like we've got a few sort of teenage prospects all picking up some wins, which is very encouraging. Um, and yeah, Perry, I thought um, yeah that that was very good because he has had a, a sticky season so far, I'd say the least, uh, but really burst back into form in quite spectacular style. And yeah, I watched that McGill McGuigan game. Uh, McGill with his new uh, black cue and the glove. Um, oh, he's yeah. been out of form, and he said, "He said he, he's not fully used to this cue yet." But he said he was playing so badly anyway. He thought it's worth the risk, um, and he didn't play well in that McGuigan game. He, he battled and scrapped like he does, and it did very well to come back and win. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if the the black cue is the answer or what is going on. But he's not in great form. But um, yeah, it was interesting actually that when. Yeah, because McGuigan got to that, that frame where he, uh, McGill needed three snookers and uh, he gave a little fist bump. And then after the game, Anthony said um, that he'd said to Robbie afterwards, so oh, I didn't mind the fist bump, but maybe do it after you've won. And oh, I, yeah. I, tweet, I I wrote that in a piece and I tweeted it. And quite a lot of people took it um, the wrong way, as if it was sort of like almost bullying from McGill or certainly quite mean. But... Um, Maybe it's because I've spoken to Anthony a few times, but I didn't take it that way at all. And uh, he's a really nice bloke, and he would have uh, just been giving some friendly advice to Robbie. And Robbie actually responded and tweeted that as well, that it was all meant in in good spirits mm. and uh, McGill's uh, very sound. So, uh, yeah, I was glad that Robbie did that to clear that up because, uh, yeah, any experience I've had with McGill, he's, he's a, a real good guy. Um, but not playing that great at the minute. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, what else was going on there? Um Murphy, I thought, actually was looking very dangerous. Then 
so a bit of that when he played Sean O'Sullivan. I think that's when he had ninety-eight point something pot success in a four-nil win. Yeah. I don't think he missed a ball in lots sort of live play. Um, so he was looking very dangerous then. Um, as was Lasowski. You know, again, this seems like a uh, a story we've had lots of times when some big names, well, big names weren't there this week, and some other big names fell quite early. It felt like it was opening up. Um, by sort of the last 16 stage and Lasowski was there and looking quite good when he beat Selt 4-1 um, and you know it seems it just seems to have happened a lot I remember the German last season that was very much that situation and Lasowski was in the semis I think and everyone was saying it's going to be Jack's week um, and we'll get to that later but it wasn't um, but yeah he was looking good at that stage though as he so often does yeah, and I must try and remember that I, I messaged you about it actually. I think didn't I, on, on on text about a couple of interviews I saw with Lazowski that I, I must I must when it comes to the semis bring that up into the last sixteen. Then these are the results from that stage. Uh, you mentioned Zing Xiaohao. Well, he he, he his run ended uh, at that stage, beating four one by Ricky Walden. Uh, Chris Wakelin beat Sean Murphy, and and as you say the way Murphy was playing, that was that was a good win four two, mm. and then well. Poor Sean then got a bit of an earful from a very cheeky Ronnie O'Sullivan film. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen the clip. I mean, I've got I've got more views for that than most of the movies on film four. I mean, it's it's <laughs> absolute. Just talk about a ratings buster, but a very a very cheeky Ronnie saying you want to try and get some results before you start bringing three cues in. I mean, I think they you know they will have these little you know, cheeky little jibes at each other a little bit, weren't they, I think. But that was a bit a bit naughty from from, from Ronnie. But uh, but <laughs> certainly he but he loved it. He knew he was being cheeky by his face. Yeah. The crowd all loved it as well. And I thought he, he knew what he was saying. J- Jimmy tr- Jimmy trying to keep sort of half a serious face next to him was quite good as well, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean that's I mean, one of the good reasons to have Ronnie on there because he will say some unpredictable things. Um but I, I've got a big respect for Murphy for doing that kind of thing. He thinks about the game a lot. He's, he's an interesting development, and he knows full well people will take the piss like that because um, people because it's just something different. Um, but he's happy to do it anyway, and fair play for, for that for standing out for the crowd. Um, obviously, it didn't work in that game, but you know, as I said, he was playing great in the in the games before. He's had some good results, so um, I thought it was a bit harsh from the rocket for sure. Talking about him being bashed up all the time, it's certainly not the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that whole queue thing is interesting. I have no idea if it's going to work or not. Obviously, it's a pretty unique approach. But I was just watching the darts tonight, and Peter Wright just won the European Championship. He's famous for changing his darts. He changed his darts in the middle of that final and won it just now. Um, he changes it all the time, and a lot of people seem to say he's mad, but he's won two world titles, so. Um, you know, it might prove to be a masterstroke for Murphy, but uh, and everyone will be doing it in a couple of years. We'll see. But uh, yeah, fair play for him to for giving it a go, though. I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people did. Yeah, Roddy's got an awful lot of fans out there, and a lot of people saw the humour. But to be fair, yeah, I had, a, I had a couple of people write back uh, under that tweet and say, "Well, to be fair, at least Sean can be bothered to enter the tournaments," <laughs> which I thought was a fair, fair, fair post in many ways. Well, anyway, one Sejun for. Stan Moody, too, was another result from that stage, uh, as was Barry Hawkins, four, Robbie Williams, nil. Uh, Jack Lazowski beat Aaron Hill, four, one. It was David Gilbert, four, Rory McLeod, nil. 
And then really, really good match. Stephen Maguire four, Joe Perry three, breaks of uh, 89, 51 and 64 from Maguire in that one. And then an even better match. Now, I was thinking quite a lot about this afterwards. I, I am going to draw the draw the, quite a line in terms of being, I'm going to be quite dogmatic on this one and say, I don't think you can have a classic best of seven. I think they're just too short to say they're classic matches. But this was whatever the word is for slightly less than classic, Phil. The Trump and Nop on Sankam. I was busy uh, sub-editing on the, on the Times sports desk around deadlines, so I'm not so... Uh, football, other live sport going on. So I had sort of, I think, corner of my eye on it. But I said, you know, on social media, I don't have to have a full eye on stuff when I know there's some cracky snooker being played. It was brilliant. There's one particular frame. I think it was when it was 3-2 to Nopom. So it would have been the sixth. The safety exchange between them. I mean, try and get a, you know, a video of it up if you if you want to see good safety. It was an absolute masterclass for about 15, 20 minutes. Just brilliant stuff. And then, well, one of those, the first of a few comebacks from Trump. He was he was um 3-2 down, won it 4-3. But that was just, I mean, I, I want to say, I'm, I'm personally not going to, not, no, not, you do what you want, Phil, anyone else can. <laughs> I am not going to call them classics. But I'm going to say, for a best of seven, that was bloody good. Yeah, it was great. It was late night stuff as well, wasn't it? I can't remember what time that finished, but it was it was uh, late on. Um, yeah, brilliant stuff. Nopon's one of those players that uh, couldn't give anyone a scare, really. It's amazing he hasn't really... I mean, he's doing well, but um, yeah, I think everyone's expecting him to kick on that extra gear to the very top because um, he's so dangerous. Um, and, yeah, that was what we were saying before. You know, Judd Dred, steamrolled some people. He's had to really dig in and fight and win some high-quality games because that was the... That was a great one. Um, yeah, and you said that Perry against Maguire was good. I think we didn't mention Perry's previous game, actually. He beat the same 5-4-3. Um, and he won the last three frames to do that. It was 3-1 down. And the last mm. two frames made back-to-back breaks of 122 in each frame. So, yeah, that was very yeah. much more evidence of Perry being very much back before his narrow loss to Maguire, which is also nice to see him back playing well. Um, yeah. I think I've said on here a load of times, I, I find him very entertaining. Uh, you never know what, what's going to happen with him, really. Um, but it's good to have him competing at the top of the game. Um, and another great match was his quarterfinal with Judd, actually. Yeah, definitely. And I heard a couple of times in commentary, actually, on television, that that line, we, you know, we've seen him so rarely on our screens in recent time. We, we have, really. Last mm. year, 18 months, we've barely seen him. But um, it, it's really nice to see him playing well again because um, he's, I think he's a character we can all get behind. He frustrates me a bit because I always think... I mean, who am I to say, really? But uh, I think Chris Downer put it quite well when he joined us that time from Sheffield. You know, we, we all like Stephen, but he frustrates you a bit because you think he, he should have won more a little bit, really. And if he applied himself a bit more, but again, that's part of the package of who he is. And perhaps he was, he was a bit more focused. He wouldn't have that kind of charm thing. So it's a, it's interesting that, you know, all these players are so different, which is what, what's so fascinating about it. The quarterfinals. Interesting, actually, that I, I didn't just notice. It actually came out when the draw, but I didn't notice it at the time. But it's the Scottish Open qualifiers this week, which he would have to play in, but he's not entered because he said he'd just not been enjoying having to drive down to like Leicester and wherever they play him um, just for qualifiers. So he's missing his home event just because he, he's sort of hating the qualifiers so much. But oh. then he's had this run to the quarters here. So I don't know if he'd be regretting that now because, you know, it'd be a threat. If he's playing well, he'd be a threat in his home oh. event. So yeah. that's a bit of a shame. But I mean, that shows yeah. sort of where his mindset is not great still, even though he's sort of improving. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does that does seem a shame. 
Into the quarterfinals then. And uh, yeah, you mentioned that Judd match then. Judd, Trump five, Stephen Maguire four, Trump four, three down in that one. But again, showing the tenacity to come from behind. Where's he found that energy from? That's what we were saying. Never mind the snooker, just in, you know, in a physical sense, so tired from his exertions yeah. uh, day after day, but managing to get the job done. And then, well, I've got a couple of messages actually from friends that would like their snooker traditionally and historically, but wouldn't watch an awful lot of it. One particularly great old mate of mine, Matt, Matt Ogborn, who messaged that he was staying with his in-laws, actually, and caught the Lazowski Walden. And he was saying how impressed he was by Jack. And, you know, asking me a bit about him. Jack won that game 5-1, uh, breaks of 128, 81 and 73 from him. But I thought that's really typical in a way. And the way I answered it was that I said to my friend Matt, uh, who, who, who I think would like the those expressive free spirit types in sport. I said, oh, you'll definitely be a fan. He's got all the flair. Such an exciting guy to watch. We'll call Maverick. But he lacks that steely edge. And, you know, he he still hasn't won the tournament, frankly. At what I think he's 32 now. And it was almost the ideal script, in a way, for what I was saying. The next day, he barely showed up. And that's the kind of shame about it with Jack. Um, but we'll come to the semis in a mo. But, uh, yeah, Lesowski was excellent against, against Walden. And uh, exciting match that went all the way. Barry Hawkins, David Gilbert. I saw a bit of that, actually. And, uh, Gilbert came back from 4-2 to 4-4. And I remember thinking, he's really playing well, Gilbert, again. He's lovely to watch him. But Barry kept his nerve, a couple of good breaks, and that decided one in the 50s, I think, to, to win it, 5-4. And then Chris Wakelin beating one Sidron at 5-2 to get himself into the last four. Well, the semis then, a um, couple of really contrasting matches, I mean, Chris Wakelin six, Jack Lazowski one was a real surprise. I mean, Jack never got going at all. I thought he might when he won the second frame, lost the first, won the second. But from there, it was just one-way traffic and he just didn't turn up. And it was, um, but Wakelin played well, did well, got himself into the final, really big for him. And then Trump and Hawkins, oh my goodness. And of course, they had that final recently where Barry won. And uh, they were teasing me a bit in the office because um, I, 4-1, I was saying, oh, that looks like the run's over now. And they say, oh, Mystic Metcalf, because, of course, about an hour, an hour and a half later, Trump will come right back. <laughs> and he won it. He won five in a row. You can't keep a good man down. He, he won 6-4. But, but an interesting set of quarters and semis there. But the, the Lazowski thing, now, now I remember the interview. They run these very good interviews on Eurosport. I'm not convinced all of them are from this week. But they're certainly recent. I think our friend Michael McMullen was doing stuff. I think he was there, wasn't he? But some of the stuff with Rachel, I thought, might have been recorded a bit earlier. But anyway, Lazowski was saying lots of great stuff. But a couple of things, I was like, that's interesting. He was saying, oh, you know, my issue is I just, you know, I, I, I lack any ruthlessness. And I'm, re- I'm re- I, you know, I'm reckless. I'm, I'm really reckless. I think, I don't know, I, thought, I find it, I don't want to pick on Lazowski here. I think he's glorious. I think he's great. And I don't think we over-talk about him because he reaches... People say, you, you guys talk about him too much. I don't agree with that. He reaches latter stages of a lot of tournaments. He's regularly very high in the rankings. I don't think we ever-talk about him. And I don't want to get on his case by too much. But I do want to say, I wonder why Peter Ebden isn't cutting that sort of language out. I don't want to see Lesowski in an interview saying how reckless he is. I don't think he should be. I mean, I know that's the part of his makeup. He is a bit reckless. But... You know, again, these guys are all different, but surely you don't want to hear him say that. You want to hear him say, well, I've got that sort of... St-. And sometimes he will say more the, the the quotes, unquotes, right thing, like, my temperament isn't great, but I'm really learning to control it. But when I heard him say how reckless he was, I thought, oh, come on, Jack. That's the last thing I want to hear. I want to hear that you're knuckling down, you've got Edwin in your corner, 
you, you got that game face on. But unfortunately, no, that's not what we saw. But what a contrast between the quarter and the semi-field. Classic Lazowski. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that win against Walden was really, really good. Um, yeah, that's when he was looking like it really could be his week. And if he'd carried on playing like that, it may well have been. But he didn't. Um, I didn't watch all of that game in the semi, but I don't think it was just by... I don't know what happened to him, really. I don't think it was just by him sort of being uh, over the top in terms of shot selection no. and stuff. But uh, he just played poorly. I mean, Wakefield was good, obviously, but he didn't have to be at his absolute best to be in quite comfortably. So it was very strange. Um, and yeah, Jack does say those things, you know, he, he often says, oh, he's just a slow learner. But um, I don't know, how, sometimes it does seem glacial, sort of the, the speed of his learning uh, with uh, with some stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's the semi-finals. I mean, yeah, that's, it's a good, it's a good run, isn't it? For, by almost anyone's standards. Um and including Jacks, it's got to be really. Yeah, you know, you can't turn down a semi-final, but you again, you've got to go away frustrated. Um, but you know, keep plugging away. Um, I suppose the frustrating thing is, you know, those six ranking finals you got to have all been against really, really good players, uh, like top elite players. Um, and that sort of view sometimes is like, oh, that you know, sometimes he'll get to a final, it won't be against one of those guys, and that's when he'll go over the line. But he has lost in sort of quarters and semis quite a few times against guys who he was favourite to to beat as well. So it is concerning, you know. We've all we're all very confident that he will win something at some point, um, but nothing is a foregone conclusion. Um, and he's going to have to, yeah, sort out. It's consistency, isn't it? I mean, that's what everyone is looking for. Even the very very best players, the absolute best in the world ever, want to improve their consistency. Um, but that was such an example of. Jack's lack of it there, going from as good as he can play, really, to almost as bad as he can play within a day. Um, it was quite mad, but, um, but yeah, good for Wakeley. Yeah, exactly. It, it really was good for Wakeley. He got himself into the final. And, well, it, it, we, we, we talked about it earlier on, of course. Judd Trump winning 9-3 was comfortable in the end for Judd. It, 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 crucially, going 6-2 up, that you felt he broke the back of it then, really, and waked him with the needed something really quite substantial and, and, and mighty to come back from that. But uh, Trump got the job done. He won it. He is a champion. We say congratulations once again uh, to the brilliant Trump, who's just having one of the, the great months, the great autumns of, of his career and anyone's career. It really is great stuff. Phil, as ever, we're, we're trying to keep to time, but we, we love talking snooker, don't we? So <laughs> I'm conscious it's going on a bit, but we have to say, um, good tournament all round, decent crowds, very well staged. Scoring, not great. Down on the site, certainly early on. Got better, I felt, in fairness, in terms of online. Every time I looked in the in the later days, I felt it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, certainly at times it wasn't. And scoreboards in the arena kept sort of packing up, didn't they? And all sort of whirring around here and there. I think Barry Hawkins, who's not a man to be too outspoken, called it pathetic at one time. So, you know, um, it, it gets to everyone, of course, it, it, but it wasn't quite good enough. And um, one more thing I've written down here, which is not a highbrow point for me, possibly Snooker's most ludicrous sneeze ever tonight in the final. Did you <laughs> did you catch that sneeze? That was ludicrous. I mean... I didn't that, notice it. I had the sound off for some of it, but... It well, oh, wow. I mean, that whoever it is has to go and buy some industrial strength Lemsip um, 
in boots um, on on Monday morning. That, that was quite something. He, I Neil Foles in that lovely way of his said, well, even the most ridiculous loud sneezing can't put John, John off. <laughs> but it was good stuff. But um, yeah, scoring, I'm afraid. Uh, well, it, to give a, to give my own score at times, Neil Poir. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got to agree with that. I've got to agree with the hawk. I think pathetic is the word I've used for it. I mean, it's it's about as basic as you can come, really. You know, getting the scores out there. Um, not that I'm saying I know to how to come up with uh, algorithms that could do live scores, live scores or anything. But to be honest, it's a three table tournament. You know, if you just got some people to input them manually into something that you wouldn't think it'd be that hard, um, and it's been going on for so long. Uh, yeah, there's nothing good to say about it, really. Um, it was working for some of it. But, you know, that's not good enough, is it? Um, I'm not sure. The UK was the, always the target, wasn't it? But um, I think Dave Henderson said it might be even longer than that, that we're waiting. But, um, yeah, there's one thing when we're sort of waiting at home, that's bad enough. But when the players have to sit there and uh, sit, go and sit in their chairs while they fix it on, in, in the arena... This looks terrible, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, we we continue to wait for hopefully that to, to sort itself out. But, um, yeah, I thought, yeah, the tournament was great, though. It always is, um, even without the big names that were missing. Um, you know, I don't know if that affected any uh, crowd numbers. Uh, Ronnie obviously pulled out so late. I think they would have. Um, ticket sales would have been all right anyway. Um but yeah, we said it before. Um, there's so many good players that we want to watch. It's not a problem. Um, obviously, it's nicer if all the big players are there. But yeah, we can. It's not the end of the world when they're not. So yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a highlight of the calendar and continues to be. Very much so. And uh, that was another successful staging of the Northern Ireland Open. Congratulations to everybody that put it on, and uh, all the players that took part, the officials, and uh, we just thoroughly enjoyed watching on, uh, didn't we? And uh, we should say you are most welcome here uh, to this newest episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Phil, the roadshow goes on. We're back to China again. 
Um, with a few days grace uh, in between, uh, but it's the International Championship at the Tianjin People's Stadium in uh, Tianjin, uh, China, uh, the seventh largest city in that enormous country, around 100 miles to the south of Beijing. Well, we were talking before we came on air, and I must admit you you pointed out the job was defending champion. I'd forgotten that until I looked it up. But yeah, <laughs> Judd Trump is on the most incredible role. Well, he's a defending champion in this. And he won it when it was first held in 2012. So it's a tournament he likes. And uh, I notice he's got uh, Gong Zhenzi or Wang Xingzhong first up. They'll play uh, early on in the tournament and Judd will play the winner of that. And uh, I'll look at some other highlights. And world champion Luca Vassell has got Ahmed Ali El Sayed early on. David Gilbert, Jordan Brown, one match that I thought mm. uh, took the eye. Looking forward to that one. A couple of guys, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Ken Doherty. I think they might... Quite, seem to be quite new on the scene, but we'll, we'll, that's that's Ronnie. They've actually played recently. Ronnie beat Ken 5-1 at the Wuhan Open a few weeks ago. Uh, Mark Williams, Zhang Ander, one that uh, caught my eye. In fact, Williams had a win uh, this season in that in that uh, same matchup, winning 5-0 in the European Masters. You'd probably think it would be closer than that this time, but we'll see. And uh, a repeat of the Crucible match just gone. John Higgins, David Grace. So that's a few that I scribble down, but there's plenty of matches to come. And uh, yeah, we're zigzagging, aren't we, Phil, between the kind of UK and and China this autumn. But we're going back there for another big tournament. And I suppose we have to say, can Judd make it four in a row? I can't believe I'm even asking the question, but I've got to. I've got to ask it. <laughs> yeah, and um, I don't see why not. You know, he's got a week off now before that, so not quite as manic as some of the schedule. As you say, the defending champions won it twice before. This is in a different city, different stadium from um, where it's been before, so it's not quite home comforts but um you know how we were speaking after he won in wuhan the other week um how much he loves playing in china talking about moving there um he's not moving to china but he, he was just making the point that he very much enjoys uh playing over there big tournament 175 grand for the winner so yeah i don't see <laughs> why not uh he's going to be the favorite given his form um he starts off against one of those two wildcard players who play each other first. And one of them, Wang Jinzong, is only 12 years old. <laughs> so that would be remarkable if he plays him. Um, and what if he lost his 20-match winning streak to a 12-year-old? That would be quite a story. Um, but yeah, yeah, no reason to to, to doubt Judd, uh, other than um, it's so rare um, for people to do it. So I suppose historically that's against him, but there's nothing to say that he won't win it again. No, and I'm uh, looking through the roll call of winners, and it, it's terrific actually over the years, the, the, the decade or so it's been on. Obviously, now we haven't had it for a few years since the pandemic, but it, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to that. It's got a, it's got a sort of a tournament with a with a name that was, I felt was really growing before the pandemic. So it'd be nice if that could build it up again. The old international championship coming up then, and Phil. Well, we wanted to do about an hour, so I'll tell you what, what we have got some correspondence. What I think we could do is take the couple that's related to the Macau situation, if that's okay. So maybe we'll do Brian Campbell after Rude. And maybe if I leave Brian for you, I'll take Rude. It says, hi, Nick and Phil. Greetings from Tilburg in the Netherlands. Uh, first, I would like to say a word of gratitude for your work on the podcast. Never leave compliments out, Phil. We know that. I'm sure all listeners will agree we don't mind if you go a bit over time especially when you have a great guest like David Burney. We must mention David later. Regarding the Macau 5 controversy, at first when I heard about this, I thought it was quite a bad look for WST. I think WST didn't do themselves any favours by the 
way they approached this issue. The way they went after the players only gave more attention to the fact that they chose to play in the exhibition events instead of the Northern Ireland Open. But after listening to Sean Murphy, who I think was very eloquent in showing both sides of the argument, I think WSC was fully within their right to sanction the players uh, over this. If this is the contract the players have with WST, of course they should abide by it, uh, as WST have their obligations. All in all, I think this is an issue that uh, could have been handled much better. These exhibitions were announced a couple of months ago. Uh, Why wait so long to deal with this issue? This could have been dealt with in a much earlier phase, I think. And without all the fuss that has now been created uh, from Rude. Well, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, of course, they they did th- threaten potential uh, sanctions. We don't we don't know what they were, but there were there were certainly threats to report these players to the uh, the WPBSA disciplinary committee. It didn't come to that, as we know. The the event was rearranged for Christmas. I think I like the way that Rude's saying you know minds changed on this field. You know. Seeing both sides, I think we kind of said that on here. That's what most people are doing. And hopefully that's what I did with my new Sporting Life column. And thank you for your kind words about that, by the way. Um, You know, WST, I think, as we said, we both agree, will think. And I think with some justification, they had to act because they didn't. Players might do this again in November, December, January, and it will go on. And they felt they had to sort of nip it in the bud now. And uh, but yeah, good good views. I think generally from from Rude. I presume that um, he's referring to Sean Murphy on his own podcast, of course, mm-hmm. who did speak very eloquently on the matter. And um, yeah, I think thinking of the same him sheet, but you can see it from the players' side. You know, some people definitely think they were hard done by that, that I've spoken to. There's, there's obviously this business in the contract that it it was detrimental. A lot of people say to me, it's quite hard to to argue that. But I mean, I would say, you know. It's pretty straight up that to some extent you could see it was detrimental to Northern Ireland because the talk for ages was which players aren't going to be there. And that feels like it's detrimental to the event. But anyway, it's a nuanced one, a difficult one. But I think Ruse expressed this pretty well. Yeah, I think, like I said before on it, that I think I think a, a lawyer would have had a good go at defending the players there because they had all those clauses that were extremely specific about what exhibitions you you can't play in. And Macau certainly wasn't covered by those clauses. It was just covered by this sort of catch-all one. So, uh, I mean, I'm not a contract lawyer, but I reckon that if I was, and that was a good one, that you could argue pretty well that because it's not it's not covered in those very specific ones, then you'd be all right. But I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, my natural view is I think the players should be able to do. So I think do what they want. So I think they were they were sort of hard done by in this situation, but I think this situation just could have so easily been avoided by the people putting this event on, just doing it when a ranking event wasn't being played. You know, there's plenty of opportunities, and hopefully that's just what will happen in the future. Because like, like you said, I, I can completely understand World Snooker's point on it. Um, and, you know, like joined the qualifiers last week they, they had the event in shanghai so hopefully you know everyone will be pretty much happy with what situations go forward and this situation can just be avoided um because it seemed quite unnecessary really uh but yeah if i would almost always tend to fall on the side of the players and these kind of things and i sort of do but I definitely do see Will Snooker's point of view as well. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a nuanced one, as you say. Um, 
and Brian Campbell is here with uh, on the same um, topic. Uh, dear Nick and Phil, there has been a lot of comment regarding the five top players not entering the Northern Ireland Open and originally opting to play in an exhibition in China instead. I feel I'm in the minority in agreeing with WST stance in clamping down on this. It would have been a slippery slope which may, may have led to long-term damage to the game. Firstly, why would sponsors want to come on board in the future if after pumping their money in as many as five of the very best players decide not to play. In addition, Eurosport have done an amazing job in broadcasting snooker, but again, would they think again regarding their relationship with snooker if top stars decided uh, declined to play? If top players devalue the game, they can't complain if sponsors on TV lose a bit of interest. When there was plenty of space in the calendar in August or September, I can't get my head around organising an exhibition tournament at the same time as a ranking event. These players have earned incredible amounts of money, it's not as if the money was going to be life-changing. Had it been then, I would have understood their stance a whole lot more. Finally, to end on a positive note, the sterling work you both do in producing this podcast weekly really spoils us, the listeners. Don't ever get burnt out, though. You are such busy guys that if you had to take a break now and again to recharge the batteries, then your fans would totally understand. Short-term loss for long-term game is no bad thing. As ever, keep up the great work. Thanks for your fantastic listening company. Kind regards, Brian. Well... That was very kind of you, Brian. Thanks very much for that compliment at the end. Very pretty much appreciated. And uh, yeah, I think that's what I was saying there, really. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, there's a whole summer. There's plenty of bits of the calendar that qualifiers. You know, it's pretty much just top 16 guys that have wanted to go and play in these exhibitions. So I think compromise can surely be found. Um, and yeah, it's just sort of a vicious cycle with stuff like that. If players don't want to, players want to go and play exhibitions in um far flung fancy hotels instead of playing in ranking tournaments and then they come and play in ranking tournaments and then they'll complain about venues or lack of sponsors or lack of prize money and it's like well you haven't played in it so you know that's an, that's not going to improve those things so yeah i get what brian's saying there um but yeah as i say hopefully it's not a situation that will need to arise again yeah, no, indeed. Can't really add much more to that. So thank you for thank you, Brian. You certainly yeah put put the case, you know, for, for the WST. And I really enjoy reading generally, you know, on social media, people very thoughtful about this issue. Um I posted something on Reddit actually as well. Talk about down with the youngsters, Phil, <laughs> on the snooker page there and uh plugging a bit of my work, I should add. Um and uh, but that people were very, very sort of intelligently writing back again again and sort of expressing both sides. So there's clearly you know, some some good debate to have to have over this, but obviously an issue that dominated you know snooker in, in recent weeks. But Phil, we definitely got back to matters on the table more, didn't we? With what happened in Northern Ireland, international championship to come, and some more qualifying action as well in the coming days. Um, we've done about an hour, I think. We should maybe have any other business. I'm sure you've probably got a few more things you want to say, but I think one thing I definitely want us to, to, to mention is. Some words about our friend and colleague Hector Nuns, who is taking a backseat, certainly more of a backseat after covering snooker extensively for the last uh, uh, 20 years. Well, Hector's uh, been a huge character in snooker journalism, absolutely no question about that. He's made a massively significant contribution to the way the sport's been covered in newspapers over the last two decades, no doubt about it. And like everyone else in that press room, I've certainly long admired his tireless efforts. We'll uh, miss him a lot, Phil. Hopefully we'll still see him. Hopefully he'll still pop into tournaments. We're, you know, that's obviously up to Hector, but he's, he's a big part of that press room over the years. He really has been. And on behalf of all snooker people, I think we just say thank you because, you know, he's done an awful lot of selling 
of this game we all love, Phil. Oh, for sure, yeah, absolutely enormous um, contribution for yeah. He's as he said in his post two decades. Um, you know, as you say, like a huge part of the press room. I mean, I mean a lot of times he'd have been the only part of the press room, really. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the miles he's put in covering <laughs> this game and the effort and dedication. Um, you know, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that like there there would have been an absolutely enormous. Um, amount of fewer articles than snooker i'm not worded that very well um if it wasn't for hector yeah he's 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 kept it going in the in newspapers um not entirely single-handedly but he's done a huge amount of it um and yeah and i don't know what what who's going to replace that coverage hopefully someone um because that would be a big loss to the game um so yeah hopefully hopefully he's not done entirely uh, I think he said he's stepping away. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll still be involved in some way. Um, but yeah, big thanks to him from the snooker world. Really, I think mm. everyone should thank him for that. Um, mm. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll see him again at a tournament soon. Yeah, as you as you as you say, that not 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 always just a big part of the, of the press room. At times, he was the press room. Yeah. I remember seeing some footage. I think it was that uh, lovely uh, press room at uh, Clandidno. There, looking out to the sea. And I remember. Bit of footage a couple of times of I think it might have been WSC filming the tournament in the press room. Oh, it's just Hector. Let's have a quick whiz round. Oh no, it's just still Hector. <laughs> you know, and uh, but that's brilliant. But he's uh, he certainly covered the events, you know, in hugely thorough fashion throughout the season. He's done you know, Crucible obviously is massive, you know. And as I said, when Hector came on here, you know, if you've read a story, an article about Snooker in the last two decades in a British newspaper. There's a very, very high chance it was written by Hector Nuns. And just an example of his wisdom, if you'd like that, do listen uh, to the episode. He joined us here on a couple of years ago, didn't he? And he had so much to say about the industry, the media world as a whole, how the sports covered snooker over the years. And he's been in such a almost unique position to say that, really, because no one's covered the newspaper side of this game more than him in the UK, frankly. So that's our you know, part of our back catalogue episode with Hector Nuns. We wish Hector well. We hope to see him soon. As I say, he's made a really, really big contribution, which we must thank him for. We must also thank David Burney, who was mentioned earlier by one of our correspondents, Phil, who joined us on the podcast. What a brilliant guest he was, the commentator. I've had a message from David in recent days. He's in Rio, the rascal. Bloody <laughs> hell. No no Brentwood or, or you know, being asked for if he wants a towel in the Barnsley Metrodome for, for David. <laughs> Commentating on the Pan Am Seniors and Open Championships. So, yeah, sunning himself in one of the world's great cities. But he was great value, wasn't he, David? We had a lot of compliments, people saying, you know, just it was just nice to have a North American voice on here, actually. Mm. And uh, one that spoke so sort of gracefully about the game. He was just top value. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like sort of not a great compliment because it's just your voice and you can't necessarily do much about it. But he just got an amazing voice. <laughs> and I think he said that himself on there. That's why he got commentary gigs in a way. Um, but he's just, yeah, lovely. And a lovely bloke. And uh, he said he'd be in Sheffield uh, this season, didn't he? So, uh, and he's super friendly, as as he befits the Canadian cliche. Um, so if anyone is up at the Crucible this season, then uh, make an effort to meet David. He's, uh, he's a great guy. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed left side that. And I think that there's a there's a tour card on offer for that tournament in Rio. I've been following WPBSA tweets. There's a couple of Brazilian guys in the final, which may be tonight. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. 
Very interesting, yeah, indeed. And he actually, I got very. This is going to be hopeless on an audio service, but he sent me a very nice photo. I think I'll share with you of the setup mm-hmm. there. Look really nice. So, um, yeah, wish Davey well. Thank, thanks again. Hopefully, we'll, we'll come on here again one day. And uh, yeah, David's a you know pretty regular commentator. Sometimes the more niche parts of the snooker world, I think it's fair to say. But mm-hmm. you know, he's available widely on the internet and. Uh, he does massively long days. I mean, I know all commentators in this sport do, but he literally, some of them more than noon the night, always got something fresh to say. So, that, you know, that's a, he's really nice, a nice voice to listen to. And we really appreciate him joining us. Well, Phil, please um, speak on, plug away. I'm not sure what else you've got to say, but we're, we're going to depart soon. But you, you, your keyboard's been on fire again in recent days. What's new? <laughs> Uh, well, no, not a great deal. I just looked that up. It is in, uh, yeah, the final is between two Brazilian chaps, Fabinho and Jonas Luz. Um, Luz, maybe, I don't know. Um, Fabi- I assume it's not ex-Liverpool player Fabinho, but I'd be very impressed oh. if it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, any of the business? Well, the, uh, the Scottish Open qualifiers start tomorrow. Um, I was just having a very quick scan um, through there. A couple of interesting games at Court My, an Irish derby between Ken Doherty and Aaron Hill. That's quite a nice one. Um, a Leicester derby between Tom Ford and Louis Heathcote. Um, Jing Zhao, we mentioned earlier, getting will get taken to school by Fergal O'Brien. Will he pass the test or not? Um, for Fire against Wales, that's quite a nice one. Um, but yeah, usual qualifying fair this week coming. So uh, plenty to look forward to there. It'll be on Discovery+. Plus. And because we recorded quite early last week, there's a bit of a gap. I don't think we mentioned Q2 or 3 last weekend in Germany. Heilbronn, Germany, was won by a German player, Umut Dikmer, who um, I've seen his, yeah, he's, he, you know, he's a, been a force in amateur games, uh, in amateur tournaments over the last few years. Um, he play, he's played in Q school a few times and got some good wins. He's only 23 years old and a great result for him there. Um, beat some good players in the semi-final. He beat Peter Lyons in the semi-final. He's taken some doing. Then he beat Amim Hussain 5-1 in the final. So very impressive um, and it would be great. We've said it a few times, you know, great fan base in Germany. It'd be lovely if they got another player on tour who uh, could be a bit of a threat. So, yeah, good stuff for him. Very much so, yeah, indeed. Thank you for, for mentioning that. And, yeah, I'm looking through these qualifiers myself as well. David Gilbert, Jack Jones might be worth a watch, Ooh, Phil. Yeah, very good, yeah. And uh, as, my, as might Stuart Bingham against Michael White, uh, there could be some fine, you know, good snooker play in that match. So, yeah, lots of uh, matches to look forward to. And um, and then, of course, we've got the International Championship underway. That will be starting next Monday. So uh, we have some listeners in the Far East, so it will be on regular snooker timings for you, if you like, afternoon and evening. But for a lot of us here in Europe, uh, and uh, specifically us two in the UK, I mean, lots of early mornings, of course, some through the night viewing, you know, if you're uh, a night owl, but otherwise it's early morning, it's, it's lunchtime when it's evening there in China. So, again, we're getting that... Kind of nice perspective back, aren't we, Phil? I mean, had so many UK-dominated episodes, um, yeah, tournaments for so long. It's nice to have something a bit different. We're not sure what we're doing next time, are we? We could be, you know, let's be honest. The world's our oyster. Might get a voice <laughs> on. We're not sure. We, we only took a bit of that correspondence in. We got more correspondence generally on the game, not quite specifically on the Macau Five, but on other matters. And of course, we've got those bloody shots as well, Phil, which we'll do one day. <laughs> so we got we got those on the back burner. Loads going on in snooker. So um yeah, we may have a voice next time. We'll we'll, we'll be either way in the coming days. And if it's a 
it was an appropriate voice and a, and a, and a good and fun voice. We'll, we'll bring those, We'll bring that to you next time. Just looking at the calendar, though, Phil, heading into November now, just mouth-watering stuff, isn't it? International coming, as we know. Then the champion of champions, what a tournament that is in Bolton. And we've got to say it, not too many weeks away now, the UK Championship in York. All the qualifying uh, will be first, of course, and then November 25th, uh, Remember, remember the 25th, Phil, uh, with the UK Championship in that in that fine city. I don't think I'm going I'm to be at the tournament myself this year, so um, I'll miss it. I have to watch from afar, but um, th- that's all coming up. So it's a cracking time, isn't it, now? And uh, we never know. One day we might have a tournament that Judd Trump doesn't win. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And there's going to be some probably some more complaints about the scheduling after this week, I reckon, because yeah, the international official on the 12th, in Tianjin, the the champion champion starts on the thirteenth in Bolton. Oh, yeah. So that's a fair old whack. Um, and then actually, there's the, there's actually crossover. I assume very unlikely. Well, actually, not that unlikely. It could happen. Um, champion of the champions finishes on the nineteenth, and the UK championship qualifiers start on the eighteenth. Actually, no, it's oh. extremely unlikely because that's the tiered system. So the qualifiers would be the very lowest ranked players. Um, but still, that's just rolls straight in. So. Uh, but luckily, Bolton is a lot closer to Leicester than it is to Tianjin. Um, but yeah, it's a busy old time. Uh, plenty to look forward to. Um, and the shootout, the, the the Christmassy shootout in Swansea, I'm sure will be a lot of fun this year. Um, so yeah, busy, busy. You can't get a train from Bolton to Tianjin, can you, Phil? Not for not not not, not for no, not not for love nor money. Um, see you next time. I think it's time to depart. We'll, we'll say keep your thoughts coming. Talking snooker at yahoo.com. Or tweet us at Talking Snooker. Thank you for your company. I salute you. I say, see you next time. God knows what we're going to do, but we're going to try and make it good. Yeah, we always try and make it good, even <laughs> if the evidence doesn't always suggest it. But we do try. <laughs> um, yeah, pleasure as always. Speak to you. Thanks to everyone for listening. Speak to you soon. Congratulations again to Judd Trump. He is uh, a truly uh, amazing hat trick hero and star in this sport, winning a third tournament in a row. Uh, winning the Northern Ireland Open, being Chris Wakeley in the final. It's great to have one of these Sunday night records again after a final, and we really do appreciate your company. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Uh, From Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply